Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the near death experience of Kimberly Clark Sharp. She is, or her story can be found on near-death.com. And here's what she says. The first thing I remember was the urgent sound of a woman's voice. I'm not getting a pulse, she said. I'm not getting a pulse. In fact, I said, I feel felt fine. Really good. Come to think of it, I never felt better or more alive. I was healthy and whole, calm and together for the first time in my life. Though I couldn't see, I could hear everything. Mostly the scramble of many voices talking at once. It didn't bother me. I let it go. I let everything go. My next awareness was of an entirely new environment. I knew I was not alone, but I still couldn't see clearly because I was enveloped in a dense, dark gray fog. I felt a sense of expectancy, the same anticipation one feels when waiting for a plane to take off or arrive. It seemed natural and right to be here, and for me to wait as long as it took. Earthly time had no meaning for me anymore. There was no concept of before or after. Everything, past, present, and future, existed simultaneously. Suddenly an enormous explosion erupted beneath me, an explosion of light rolling out to the farthest limits of my vision. I was in the center of the light. It blew away everything, including the fog. It reached the ends of the universe, which I could see, and doubled back on itself in endless layers. I was watching eternity unfold. The light was more brilliant than hundreds of suns, but it did not hurt my eyes. I had never seen anything as luminous or as golden as this light, and I immediately understood it was entirely composed of love, all directed at me. This wonderful, vibrant love was very personal, as you might describe secular love, but also sacred. Though I had never seen God, I recognized this light as the light of God. But even the word God seems too small to describe the magnificence of that presence. I was filled with my Creator, in holy communion with that presence. The light was directed at me and through me. It surrounded me and pierced me. It existed just for me. The light gave me knowledge, though I heard no words. We did not communicate in English or in any other language. This was discourse clearer and easier than the clumsy medium of language. It was something like understanding math or music, nonverbal knowledge, but knowledge no less profound. I was learning the answers to the eternal questions of life. Questions so old we laugh them off as cliches. Why are we here? To learn. What is the purpose of life? To love. I felt as if I was re-remembering these things I had once known, but somehow forgotten. And it seemed incredible that I had not figured out these things before now. Then this ecstasy of knowledge and awareness was interrupted. Again, without words, I learned that I had to return to my life on earth. 
I was appalled. Leave all this? Leave God? Go back to that old oblivious existence? No way! The girl who had always did, as she was told, dug in her heels. But to no avail. I was going back. I knew it. I was already on the way. I was on a trajectory headed straight for my body. That's when I saw my body for the first time, and when I realized I was no longer a part of it. Until this moment, I'd only seen myself straight on, as we usually do in mirrors or photographs. Now I was jolted by the strange sight of me in profile from four feet away. I looked at my body, the body I knew so well, and was surprised by my detachment. I felt the same sort of gratitude toward my body that I had for my old winter coat when I put it away in the spring. It had served me well, but I no longer needed it. I had absolutely no attachment to it. Whatever constituted the self I knew as me was no longer there. My essence, my consciousness, my memories, my personality were outside, not in that prison of flesh. And that is the end of Kimberly Clark Sharp's experience. Now, Kimberly Clark Sharp has a book called After the Light, What I Discovered on the Other Side of Life That Can Change Your World. And it can be found on Amazon. I will put a link to that in the show notes. But let's talk about her experience for a minute. This is really interesting because, first off, she, uh, she is aware of the moments of her, the moment of her death. This is not rare, but it doesn't always happen. Often uh, somebody, you know, boom, they pop out of their body and they find that they are on the way to the hospital or something like that, even though they had passed out, you know, minutes before or something like that. Sometimes they appear in the hospital. Sometimes they even, like some of them we've uh, shared before, uh, see their own funeral or see themselves at their funeral, which is interesting because they end up coming back and therefore there wasn't a funeral and and uh, it's I suppose the funeral they would have had or perhaps the funeral they'll have someday I don't know but uh, point is she hears the moment I'm not getting a pulse I'm not getting a pulse so she's right there for the whole thing I suspect that um, if she passed out if she had been unconscious prior to this the moment of her death um, what she came out of her body. Now I say that because some people, as I've understood, um, have a little bit of a quiet sleep time, if you will. Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's in the void. Sometimes it's just kind of an unconscious time. It's like their spirit is out of the body, but not yet awake. And, and it's rare for it to be more than, you know, I mean, a few seconds to a minute, but I suspect this is pretty immediate. I'm not getting the pulse. A pulse, they, they, they probably discovered that immediately. Um, then she talks about, uh, this is kind of funny to me. She says, there was no concept of before or after. Everything, past, present, and future, existed simultaneously. So there's this idea that everything is going on at the same moment. And then she says, suddenly, an enormous explosion. And I'm like... How can it be sudden if past, present, future is existing simultaneously? And I'm not trying to, you know, say, oh, you know, this is not real because look what she says. Rather, I'm trying to say that there is clearly some kind of chronology about it, some kind of 
um, serial aspect to it because uh, she didn't say there was this light and then there was this explosion. She didn't say I was back in my body and then suddenly there was this light and then suddenly there was this explosion. She put it in a in a format and maybe some of that was reconstructed later. I don't know, but uh, uh, when when she tried to explain it to others, but but there was obviously a sudden moment where she went from not seeing anything to seeing this light that rolled on to the farthest limits of my vision. And and then she, you know, the farthest limits of her vision, she goes on and says, it reached the ends of the universe, which I could see, and doubled back on itself in endless layers. That is the second that I see, there's probably more, but the second apparent um, contradiction, first is everything's happening at once, simultaneously, past, present, and future, and followed by a sudden uh, event. And then second, that she sees to the limits of her vision, and she is, but it reaches to the ends of the universe, which she could see, which implies that there was no limits to her vision. Now, and she says, I was watching eternity unfold. Was she seeing something from the past, like a big bang of sorts? Or was she seeing the light of God emanate out from her. And this is, well, we'll get to that in a second, but um, these contradictions, I'm beginning to see them in a new light. I used to think, oh, that's weird. I wonder why she says this, but then says this, because, you know, that seems to contradict. But if you've followed any of uh, Raymond Moody's more recent work, um, some of his uh, latest work, he is trying with some other uh, psychologists and scientists and so forth to develop a language for the ineffable. Ineffable. There I go again. Ineffable. The ineffable. And uh, as part of that, there is an aspect of nonsense, which sounds like it's suggesting that all of this is nonsense in the sense saying it's not true. But that's not what he's suggesting. He's suggesting that with the ineffability of what is given in these experiences, we need a new way of forming language. He says we've used logic for so long, the, just the common everyday logic, for so long that we find that there are some things that we are newly discovering, which have always been there, but have been shut into the shadows because we can't talk about it, we can't explain it, we can't conceptualize it or uh, make logic of it. Because it's been so shut up, we don't have the language for it. And he's working with others to recreate uh, a mode of speaking, of, of communicating language in a way that the best word that he has for it is nonsense. And uh, I think part of that, part of the reason that he's doing that is because there are these strange and fascinating contradictions. The idea of everything happening in the past, present, and future simultaneously, and yet having this chronology of events and this, and this chain that goes from one link to the next in this clear fashion, and yet it's all happening at once in some way. And so that seems contradictory. Therefore, this idea of, of finding language to deal with 
contradictions that exist in the universe or the multiverse, if you will, um, is kind of cool. Kind of cool. So when I see these contradictions, I don't think contradiction. I think nonsense. <laughs> or, or in other words, I, I think we're working on language for that. Because, because in that state, they see and they sense and they understand it. They can conceptualize it. But when they come back, they're like, I, 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 I can't put that in words. So I love it. Okay, so then she goes on. This is interesting. Instead of rushing toward the light, it appears that the light explodes out of her. Or actually, she says that it exploded below her. And it enveloped her. It, uh, it completely overtook her. And as she's trying to describe what this light is, she says, I've never seen anything as luminous or as golden as this light. I understood it to be entirely composed of love, all directed at me, which is beautiful. And she says it was both the vibrant, a vibrant love that is, you might recognize as a secular love, but it was also a sacred love. So I think I could be wrong, but I think she's suggesting that everything that we know of as love, it included that, but it was more. So, uh, and then she says the light gave her knowledge. And then she tries to describe the language. And here we have another seeming contradiction. She says, this discourse was clearer and easier than the clumsy medium of language. It was something like understanding math or music, nonverbal knowledge, but knowledge no less profound. Now, if you think about math, okay, just that word math, thinking of it in terms of what it is to you, an entire corner of your brain opens up to see numbers and the way they interact and the way they multiply and divide and, and the way they become more and compress to become less and, and this entire, you know, format, this pattern that shapes the course of the known universe and the cosmos. Everything from, from gravitation to planetary orbit to, you know, uh, the way that the leaves form on a tree and, and all of this, it's all mathematical. And physics is using mathematical formulas to calculate the physical interactions between things. So it's this, math is this entire idea that is like a whole corner of the brain that, that the moment you say math whoo, opens up. Or the minute you have an equation to be said, to be had, you know, um, that corner of the brain opens up in a sense. Now, if I'm understanding her right, it's as if when this light is communicating with her, it's like it's opening corners of her brain, or not brain, but her spirit, whatever, <laughs> and bringing to knowledge, to memory, as she says, re-remembering things that she already knew, and perhaps things that she didn't previously know, but instantly know by that opening up of that portion of her spirit. 
So not only is it given, it, it's, it's as if, think of a book that you've read, let's just say the Harry Potter series, okay? It's this entire package of story after story, event after event, character after character, and this whole chain of, of you know, you, kind of a universe, you could say. You could, you could say that it's a, it's a world of itself, uh, you know? And if you think of the Harry Potter series, you suddenly have in your mind this whole package that is the whole Harry Potter world and all the stories involved. What if somebody could simply say Harry Potter and the entire package is given to somebody who's never heard of the book or the series and they suddenly know every story within it? I think that's the level that we're talking about. I could be wrong, but the more I hear about these things, the more I see about these things, that seems to be the kind of communication that happens. A single thought is transferred and it's packaged with every surrounding context of it, with all its details. That is a remarkably amazing form of communication. No wonder, no wonder they say you can't lie on the other side, you can't hide things, it's, it's just open. And there are aspects, you know, there are things you know, when somebody says, I couldn't tell what they were saying to each other when they're talking about two spirits communicating. So there may be a way to to direct it in a specific way um, so as to not, you know, blast it out to everyone. I don't know. But when it's intended, it it happens. And that's how it, it seems to take place. And then music, you know, our understanding music. You know, you think of everything you understand about sounds and harmonies, maybe not necessarily in the music theory sense, but when you hear music, you recognize it instantly as music. You don't say, what is this strange sound? It ha seems to have a pattern. It seems to have different pitches. You don't do that. It's just instantly boom, music. It opens that corner of the brain. So again, somebody says music and that entire corner of the brain opens up or you hear music, that entire uh, corner of the spirit opens up. And I think that seem, that may seem to capture a little bit what she's trying to convey there. She says, I was learning the answers to the eternal questions of life. Questions so old, we laugh them off as cliches. And then I love this because she gives us a couple of these questions. She says, why are we here? To learn. What is the purpose of our life? To love. Now, we hear that and we say, well, but that's, that's so simple and yet it does, it's not very specific and all this stuff. That's because we are locked in these mortal brains. If we could communicate, if, if she was telling us this uh, story in spirit, she would say or convey, we're here to learn, and it would come with that whole package, that whole corner of the spirit would open to our spirits or brains or whatever and and we would comprehend what she's talking about and then the purpose of our life to love it's both incredibly profound incredibly simple and incredibly difficult to understand as mortals and yet there it is and this seems to be the theme that keeps coming back in these things. It is to learn and to love, which in my mind is the very essence of progression, to learn and to love. So, very cool. And then she ends up uh, fighting 
when they say she's got to go back, she's like, no way. And then whoop, she's going back. Can't, can't, uh, uh, choose in this instance from what I can tell. Um, she sees her body. I like her description. She says, I saw my body much like I would see my old winter coat when I put it away in the spring. Don't need it anymore. Thanks for keeping me warm. You know, we, we've had a great ride together. Now I'm going to put you away. And that's kind of how she see, saw her body. Some people don't even have that. They're just like, goodbye, you know. And, and others are kind of like, oh, you know, she was, she was good. You know, she was good to me, whatever. And then they leave. <laughs> you know, much like you might. I don't know. I, I, I can't think of a good analogy beyond the coat, the old winter coat. I think that's fair. A fair way of putting it. Um, so, love it. Now we are going to read some or share some uh, listener comments. This first one is from Delon Curtis. Hi, Chess. Uh, this is your old uh, Uncle Delon again. Hey, uh, I got a question. I, I, I think it's been brought up several times before about uh, when you try to leave a person tries to leave a, a comment. Uh, uh, most of the time, it, it just comes up blocked as suspected bot, and it does that the same when I try to register. And uh, I don't know if maybe others are having problems with that, and more would uh, you know leave comments or what. Once in a while, it'll let me leave a comment, but very rare. And uh, so I just thought that I'd, I'd bring this up, and uh, I just once again want to say how much I enjoy. Uh, all these things you share, and I, I really enjoyed the, uh, the interviews and, uh, the, you know, the experiences other people have sent in to you. Uh, just very intriguing, very, very interesting. So thanks anyway. Keep up the good work. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, Dilan, thank you so much for contacting me about this. I realize that many people have had trouble with the commenting system um, as it's laid out. I'm not exactly sure what the problem is or why it's doing it, but what I've done is gone ahead and uh, and installed a plugin. It's the Discus, or sorry, Discuss, I guess. It's like D-I-S-Q-U-Z or something, plugin. And the only thing I know is that it uses a different format for the uh, comments. Um, and so I think I'm hoping it'll work now. Please let me know. In fact, everybody try to make some kind of comment, even if it's just a, you know, smiley face or something, so that we can find out if there's problems. If it gives you some error or tells you that, you know, it thinks you're a robot or whatever, then please contact me. I'm hoping to get this so that comments are just freely available. I'm willing to filter the spam right now once it gets big and if we start getting a lot of spam then you know I'll, I'll see what I can do about it at that point but right now we're not getting much so um, I don't mind going through it as long as it uh, notifies me whenever anyone comments which it does right now I don't know if that might change with the new <laughs> plugin it should notify me but uh, if this doesn't work then I will uh, try something else later so if you would like to contact the podcast, you can uh, contact us through 
email, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. You can comment on the podcast itself, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Hopefully the comments will be working for you this time. And uh, you can also call 970-NDE-CAST. And that will give you a three-minute time slot. If you need more than that, just keep calling back. It's just a message machine. Nobody's going to pick up and say hello. So, um, And with that, thank you all so very much for listening.